And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Liam Galgar, the senior pastor from Historic 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. Dr. Gallagher, it's an honor to have you on with us today. It's great to be here. You know, this uh, weekend is uh, Father's Day weekend, probably among other things, but uh, makes us think a lot about the Christian family and how important that is for um, the bedrock of our society. And I'm um, just wondering if you could get us started sharing some thoughts about the Christian family and perhaps the role that fathers play in all of that. I'd love to do that. Uh, so let me give you my qualifications to talk on the subject. <laughs> uh, we have five children. All of them are now married. We have nine grandchildren, the last two in within the last three months. And um, we have a great relationship with our children. We're very grateful to God for that. Uh, and for me, it has been the greatest, it has been the greatest joy of my life to have been a dad to these children. And as a kind of side note, we determined very early on that it would be very easy for us as a couple in ministry for the ministry of the church to take dominance over our family life. And so we determined right at the very beginning that it would be God first, our family second, and church third. Uh, church equaling church activities and my job as well related to the church as, as a minister. And so we haven't had, I think because of that prioritization, we have not had the kind of uh, rebellion or, or just dissatisfaction in in the minds of our children with respect to church. Uh, and we've managed to avoid uh, them resenting church or, or, you know, hating anything to do with church because it's a continual thing in the life of the family. So that's a little caveat. Come back to the main, <laughs> to the main subject. Um, God made us and put us in families. Throughout the Bible, God deals with us as families. Uh, he is interested in our families and in our children, and uh, he has made promises to us that the gospel message is for us and for our children, for as many as the Lord our God calls. Our Lord Jesus was uh, famously interested in our children, and he drew the children to himself. Even the disciples trying to protect his space and protect his time, he rebuked them in order to draw the children to himself. So I think the, that God invented it, the Lord Jesus affirmed family life, and the apostles address it. They, they actually talk to fathers and mothers, husbands and wives. They actually address them with specific things they want to say to each of them. Within the family, the, the apostle even addresses children. It tells children, gives children direction. So you have this apostolic uh, treatment of family within the scriptures itself, which kind of highlights the importance, I think, to God uh, and to those who who know God best uh, and to those who have been responsible for, for giving us this, the scriptures. Um, and uh, 
I think that should shape the way we we look at family life. I, th- I think that if we can back off from the Bible for a moment to make a more general observation that families are the basic building block of any human society and have been since the very beginning of time. That quite apart from the grace of God in Christ, the common grace that God shows to the world finds its first expression in the life of families, those relationships that are intrinsic to what it is for us to be human. When, when God created people, he created them male and females and created them to be married and to have children. That was, that was at least the most basic element of the life of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They were brought together, they were male and female, they were married, and they were told to go and have children. Now, that was all part of God's bigger plan, of course, to, to inhabit the earth, and to inhabit the earth with people who were image bearers of God, and through Adam and Eve's testimony, to inhabit the earth with people who knew God for themselves as their own God and Savior. Um, and that, that drives our, our view of the human race and how the human race should act and be and survive and grow and, uh, and reach a place of real health and, and welfare uh, in, in the progress of humanity. And I think Christian families in particular in our culture have a, a responsibility which goes beyond their own family bounds. Uh, I, th- I think Christian families have the opportunity to uh, model, uh, n- not, in a, not in an arrogant way or in a kind of self-conscious way, but, but be an example to neighbors uh, of what of how people can relate to each other in a, in a caring, loving, disciplined way. Um, and, th- and thereby, if you like, be salt and light and enhance the flourishing of human communities. But, um, and that's been no more needed than it is today. I think that there there are indications in the New Testament that in the latter days, as as we get increasingly towards the end of this era of humanity, that things like natural human relationships and families are going to be divided and are going to be attacked by Satan and are going to be the, the scene of battles between parents and children, children and children, husband and wife. Uh, I think there are indications in the Bible that that, that that is a kind of natural thing that's going to happen towards the end of history. And I think we see that happening in the Western world particularly, but I think all around the world today. And so in the midst of that, the, the opportunity for Christians to be a witness Again, not self-consciously or arrogantly, but to humbly show by the way they live as families 
what it can be, may very well be the, the means that God uses to win people to himself. Uh, at the time when, when Christianity was launched out into the world in the first century, Roman world, there was real radical dysfunction within Roman society in relation to families. And, and it was the development of the Christian family that over time, perhaps over hundreds of years, began to have an effect, an influence in the way people treated each other, in the way parents treated their children. They didn't abuse them. Uh, they, 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 they cared for them. They, they didn't kind of take their baby girls and leave them in the, on, the, on the garbage dump to die overnight because they didn't really value girls because they weren't going to contribute anything to society. It was Christian families who rescued those girls and adopted them, brought them home and nurtured them. And, and, and those little actions of Christians in those early days had a powerful impact over time on the society itself and changed the society over hundreds of years, but changed the society. We're, we're back there. We have a disintegrating society. We're heading down towards where Rome was. We now have the opportunity to be different. Now, feel free to interrupt me. I'm just going on about this. <laughs> but uh, I think that's, that's the kind of context, I think, um, in which we can talk about human families today. Now, we're coming up, we're coming up to Father's Day. I think fathers are key in the development of, of community today uh, in the sense that I believe that we can underestimate and overestimate the role of the father in the home. Uh, we can overestimate it by expecting a father to be more than the Bible expects of a father. Uh, there, there's some literature out there that wants the father to be the prophet, priest, and king. Well, he's obviously not a priest because he does not act on behalf of anybody else in relation to God. Uh, his wife is a priest as well, um, because we're and his children are, if they're believers. We're all priests and we're all kings to God. That's one of the things that's happened as a result of our union with Christ. And there's a sense in which we're all prophets and that we're given the Word of God, and we can speak the Word of God to each other within the home. But here's what the Bible says to fathers. We're coming up to Father's Day, and, and I think I would want to say to fathers, what does the Bible say to you about your role as a husband, first of all? What does the Bible say to you? Uh, here's what I don't find. I don't find that the Bible says to fathers, teach your wife how to be submissive to you. No, actually, when God wants to say something about submission, he actually talks to the wife and says, submit to your own husband in the Lord. Mm. But he turns to the father and he says to the father, love your wife as Christ loved the church. The best thing that a man can do for his children as well as for his wife, is to love his wife the way Christ loved the church. Mm. 
That, that is a huge command, and it's addressed by the apostle to the man. That's, that's a word of God through the apostle to men, to me as a, as a husband. And one of the biggest challenges that men have is understanding and then nourishing and caring and cherishing their wife. Uh, and I put it like that because if I'm going to love my wife, I, the model for this is Christ and the church. So what did Christ do? Christ became incarnate. He became human so that he could win the church for himself. Does that have any relationship to the husband? I, I'm hesitant about using the incarnational connection, but I do think, what, did you, what lengths did Jesus go to to win the bride? Well, he at least went the lengths of getting into our skin and understanding what it meant to be human. As a man, I don't naturally get into the mind of a woman and understand what she's thinking. And in fact, as men, when we're all together as men, we don't really think about that or talk about that. But if I'm married to a woman, I think I need to try and understand a bit how a woman ticks. There are elements of a woman's life that I'm completely unfamiliar with. There are cycles in a woman's experience that have effects on her that, that I don't know about or have never experienced. Do I understand that? Do I take that into account? Do I consider that in the way that I love my wife as Christ of the Church? Uh, am I prepared to sacrifice me time for my wife? I, I mean, I have friends who got married, and they never ever did give up Saturdays with the boys out on the golf course for eight hours. They never did give that up when they had a family and they had children, his only day off in the, in the week that they could really spend time with them was going to be Saturday. They never did that. So Saturday was a completely self-orientated me day for dad. Now, I don't think that's loving your wife or loving your kids the way Christ loved the church. Where is the sacrifice there? I, I think men, I have to consider how I can best how I can best demonstrate to my wife that I love her. I need to know the things that I can do that convince her that I love her, and that that takes a lifetime, by the way, and they change. <laughs> As time goes by, because uh, because that, that's that's what happens in 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 relationships. So as we come up to Father's Day, I think the big challenge for fathers is for them to love their children's mother. And then the apostle says something else to fathers. He says, "Don't exasperate your children." That's a very interesting thing. Don't exasperate your children. How can I do that? I suppose I can do that if, if in telling them what to do, I put un, 
un- uncritical demands uh, on on them. If I or unreasonable demands on them, there are times there are times I've done that. I'm quite sure and uh, aggravated them unnecessarily. How might I do that? Coming in, seeing a situation, and then jumping to a conclusion and coming down on one individual like a ton of bricks without finding out whether actually it was that individual that needed the ton of bricks or maybe it was somebody else because I'd come in in the middle of a conversation or a dispute. Mm -hmm. And in my family, I came into the middle of disputes regularly (laughs) (laughs) because they were perfectly healthy and perfectly normal and perfectly disputational. Um, And... And I have done that, and I've gotten the wrong end of the stick, and I have made a big song and dance and hurt everybody's feelings mm. <laughs> as, as a result, you know. So the Apostle Paul is very wise when he says, you know, don't exasperate your children. Um, we, can be, we can be the leader of the home as we should be, and we can lay down the ground rules, and I think... We should do that in cooperation with our wives, um, in folding them into this thing. I mean, I, I'm struck by the fact that when God's talking about evangelism, he says to us that we are partners with him in the work of getting the gospel out. And I think that's part of what it means to be a husband and wife team. Uh, I think the husband takes the lead at making that happen, at enfolding his wife and including his wife and empowering her to be part of the team. I think the husband has to take the lead in doing that. I think women want their husband to take the lead in doing that. I have had, very, in my pastoral life, I've very, I've never actually, I don't think, ever had a woman say to me, my husband takes too much of a lead in our marriage. <laughs> never. Usually, you know, he doesn't want to pray. He doesn't want to do the Bible reading. He's got no time for this. He doesn't want to get involved in the children's homework or in the children. I mean, it's usually he's not taking the lead rather than taking the lead. And and so I say to men, leading is not having a big stick. Mm-hmm. You're only a leader if people are following you. The definition of a leader is the person the others are following. You know, uh, hearing you talk about basically the priorities of time and of um, giving the time to understanding and cherishing our wives and uh, sacrificing my time really for my wife. And you look back at your life and say, boy, I, I sure wish I could do some things differently. But the problem is I am where I am and I've made a mm-hmm. bunch of mistakes and now i got to move on from mm-hmm. here. Um I'm thinking about something that is a church responsibility, the church mm. church towards a, a young couple. Let's say you have a couple that's newly newly married, you know, a couple of years into their marriage and with all the challenges that that, that has. Um, I think it's a temptation for some churches, some church leaders, to um, say, oh, there's that young man. He's He's got lots of energy. He can help me on this building project, or he can help me uh, teach a Sunday school class and all of this, and he may be very qualified. But I think sometimes the church is guilty of robbing that young man's time, who who's very dedicated to Christ, and he wants to serve Christ, but almost 
that he would feel guilty for not helping the church on their special project, all the while that wife is saying, oh, no, not another Saturday. You're you're going to the church mm-hmm. to do that? Mm-hmm. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen that problem occur? Oh, yeah, yes. I, I, I think that's a very acute problem for the pastors have, you know, mobilizing these young guys at, at the wrong time in their ministry, not thinking, how can I, how can I protect this man's marriage? <laughs> Apart from anything else. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, definitely. Well, we have maybe five minutes left uh, today. We're talking with Dr. Liam Gallagher. He is senior pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And um, as we approach Father's Day, we have these opportunities. You mentioned that you have, um, I think it's nine grandchildren now, and um, I'm wondering if you can relate to this feeling that I have too, and that is I look at our own children. We had four children, and they all love the Lord to his glory and praise entirely. And uh, I look back and say, well, I wish I had spent some more time with my children. And now that the grandchildren are here, you feel like, well, I've got another shot at this. <laughs> I can spend uh, I can spend some more time with these with these grandchildren. So I think the encouraging part here is all is not lost. If you've messed up a little bit, you regret you haven't spent enough time with your children. As these grandkids come along, you can spend time with them. Absolutely. I mean, our children and our a lot of our children and grandchildren live in the UK, so I don't see them very often. But I I went back about four weeks ago and spent a week on my own. Uh, Christine didn't come with me. So that they had me for uh, c- completely. <laughs> my girls thought it was great, having their dad <laughs> completely himself all day and, and to go out with the, the children and play with the grandchildren and so forth. And, uh, and uh, that, they, that was, it was great, actually, to see how much they enjoyed that. And uh, yeah. you're quite right. You, yeah. get a great, you get a second chance. <laughs> Amen. And... Um... One other thing I wanted to pick up on that you mentioned that just really struck home is the Apostle's wisdom, as he says, as he commands, don't exasperate your children. Um, Mm. Some Christian families end up having a a son or a daughter that does go astray, and it just breaks the parents' hearts. And um, perhaps, perhaps a guideline for young families is to obey this command of, of not exasperating our children, and constantly encouraging them and not getting down on them too hard. Yeah, I, and, and we're in relation to the children as they grow up, especially as they get to teenage years, I would say this, bring your children up in the faith that they will come to Christ instead of in the fear that they won't. With that expectation. Yeah, if you bring them up in fear, then you will be claustrophobic with them, and they will they'll draw back. If you bring them up in faith that they will, trusting in the Lord, then you'll probably give them a bit more freedom, give them freedom to fail, even freedom to go away for a while, mm-hmm. believing that God will bring them back in due time. Amen. Some of those children will have had a, a sign applied to them, sign and seal at a young age, and uh, right. God often makes good on that sign. <laughs> and it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful blessing promises for you and your children. It is. It really is. Well, Dr. Liam Gallagher, thank you very, very much for joining us today, and uh, we hope that um, the fathers out there in particular have a blessed 
Father's Day uh, tomorrow, and we hope that you have a good Father's Day. Thank you very much. Dear listener, you can find us on the web. Listen to this broadcast again as a podcast. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Holy Spirit, come abide within. May your joy be seen in all I do. Life enough to cover every sin in each thought and deed and act. That sows the path of peace Turn my striving into works of grace Breath of God, show Christ in all I do Of the creator of creation.